folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, along with former Minnesota Vikings offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles, who is covered in sweat, still staying in shape. What's up, Jeremiah? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I still, I still got to get this weight off, man. I'm, still, I'm down to about 280. I got another 10 pounds to go. So Okay, you're not quite Joe Thomas area yet. I no. mean, he's like a totally different human being. Oh, he's like, dude, have you seen Marshall Yonda? Oh, I haven't. Is he doing I'll the same thing? You- he, he looks like 220 pounds. Like, he looks like he's never played a snap of football before in his life. It's crazy. That is insane. Okay, explain to me then, um, were you a guy that just the weight was on naturally and you didn't have to, like, eat six burritos a day? We were, we were talking to uh, Ezra Cleveland about, like, putting on the weight and eating, you know, off the secret menu at Chipotle and stuff. But you, you were just a naturally huge guy? So, I mean, my average, and I think my body sits really well at about 275. So, I, I like, kind of would be there. And then I did, I'd eat a lot to stay above 300 uh, quite a bit. I mean, especially during season. Like, when I was rolling during season, I mean, I'd be 305, 310. I'd try to come into camp at, like, 318 just so I could play it, like, 310, because I knew I'd lose all that weight. Um, but I'd eat, I mean, there was definitely nights before weigh-ins where I was shoving my face full of food just to stay above 300 pounds, because Toronto used to get a real piss. So so what did you have to eat? I mean, I'm thinking, like, even for myself, a Thanksgiving dinner, I can't even move the next day. So is there so, is there something that, like, you, was your go-to, I have to weigh over 300 pounds? I mean, as terrible as it's going to sound, it is crappy food it is. So I'd come home on Thursday nights, wait to be Friday, my wife would make dinner, whatever it would be. Um, and then usually about 9 o'clock I'd order 
uh, two big hamburgers from Five Guys and hammer those down in the mornings before weigh-in, drink a bunch of water, pancakes, like waffle, some type of carb, and then just blow it up, get on the scale, and then just hate yourself for about the next 24 hours. And then usually you get down to where you need to be to play at for Sunday. Uh, you know what, though? Two Five Guys burgers can go down pretty easy. I mean, oh, yeah. delicious. I, I don't know. Like, I don't have burger rankings or fight over burgers. You know, it's pizza and wings that are my area of expertise. But uh, I think Five Guys has a very solid burger for that kind of place. Oh, if you're going fast casual, dude, Five Guys is the only way to go. <laughs> and and uh, feel free to advertise on the podcast, uh, Five Guys. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Aside from eating habits, Jeremiah, one of the reasons I wanted to catch up with you, as uh, always, you bring great insight to whatever part of the game we're talking about. But the Ezra Cleveland issue is specifically really interesting to me because he comes out of college as a left tackle and he immediately is moved inside to guard, but he's been mostly on the second and then even recently on the third team at practice. So he isn't really competing, at least at this moment, for the spot of uh, left guard to start. And I wonder if you could explain, as a guy who could play every position on the offensive line, how difficult that transition is from tackle to guard when you're just coming out of college. Yeah, I mean, so the transition just from college to the NFL as an offensive lineman is crazy, right? I mean, the speed of the game, the athletes you're facing each and every week, the strength, the speed, like it's all just your your spinning. And to throw a position change on top of that, like a true, not just like, hey, we're going to try out here, like a true position change, is something that's really hard. People understand, like, the timing is what's the biggest thing. So if you're a tackle, for instance, you have a little bit of space, right? You've got some time. You've got at least a second, maybe a second and a half sometimes before you're making contact with the guy versus at guard. I mean, it's almost immediate. And for a lot of guys, like, the timing is really hard for them to pick up because the game is already so much faster than what they were used to in college. And then you throw on the inputting inside where everything's more compact, everything's tighter, everything happens in a smaller window. It's really hard for some guys to really make that transition of patience to you still have to be patient because you can't lunge at guys and do all that stuff. But there's a there's a patience and an aggressiveness, like perfect tandem of a world that you can find as a guard that it takes time. It does. And, and to go against guys each and every day at that position is the only way to do it. There's no secret recipe of, how to get that timing, and, I mean, it really cranks up even more in a game. And with no preseason games, man, that's going to be really hard for these young cats. Now, does playing guard help you become a better tackle? Because you were tackling no. college, right? No, it doesn't. Not at all. No. Okay, all right, because no. that was that was sort of what I was thinking is like, well, at least you get some experience going up against NFL guys, and maybe things slow down when you go back to tackle. But Matt, here's how it works. You can't play tackle. You play guard, you can't play guard, you play center, you can't play center, you sit your butt at home like me. <laughs> well, well, you can always move in. You don't see many guys move out. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, at least, you know, back when you were pounding burgers, you could play. Right. Just not right. at this particular it's moment. Not at this uh, moment. Not, not unless you want to get on the Alex Boone plan and start eating 11 uh, eggs uh, every morning or something. Yeah, he, I mean, is he still trying to make a comeback? He is, yeah. I talked yeah. to him the other day. Yeah, he's still going after it, and now that they can do workouts and stuff, he's hoping to get at least a tryout to show him what, what he can do. And he put on Instagram him doing, like, a crazy box jump. Cause yeah, that was pretty impressive. Athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Boone is always a natural, I mean, heck of an athlete. So, I mean, I think he'll get a shot. This is, if there was a year to do it, this is the one. Because you're going to need guys that are proven. Because you're not, you're going to really hesitate to throw young guys that haven't been battle tested out there. You need vets that can prove that they played before, which is why I was like, I retired one year too early. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but I'm sure your body is not. Uh, oh, loving it. Loving yeah, it. Exactly. So um, now just back to the, the difference between guard and tackle. Um, so it's not going to help him when he goes back out to tackle if that ever happens. Are there things that he can learn from playing guard uh, that just at least in this camp he can get some experience? Yeah, I mean, I think you learn how to become more aggressive in the running game as a guard because you have to, again, the spatial awareness, right? So, I mean, if you're going against a really tight three technique or a really heavy nose that's literally, I mean, a foot away from you, like you could reach out and touch him, you have to learn how to be more powerful quicker. You can't get your two or three steps in the ground before you're making contact on a DN. You have to be, like, right off the get. How do you transition your weight from left to right or right to left and straight up from the ground? I mean, you don't have time to cock your hands and come forward. Like, it's from the ground straight to the body. And for a lot of guys, you just have to learn how to transfer power quicker. So, I mean, that'll always be a good thing. That's good at whatever position you play at. The faster you can transfer power from the ground into your defender, that's a great thing. So that's, I think he'll become more of a road-grade run blocker if he learns and he works at it that way. And then the other piece is learning how to pull. You don't pull a ton as a, guard, as a tackle, um, especially in Kubiak's offense up there. You, there's just not a ton of it. But you're always going to have power. You're always going to have those G schemes where the guards get out in space. And just learning how to get out in space and cut or – learn how to come out of your hips while you're running full speed. Those are all just good skills for offensive linemen that you don't get a ton of work at when you're a tackle, but you'll get work at when you're a guard. Is it just me or have the interior defensive tackles, uh, I mean, especially the three techniques, become almost like defensive ends in terms of getting a little smaller, getting a lot faster? I feel like when I was growing up, Jeremiah, there was like three guys who could rush the passer from that position, and now there's 30 guys in the NFL. And then think about what the Vikings did last year, rotating defensive ends in over the guards. Uh, there, there's a lot more problems for guards than there used to be, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I used to think being singled up as a tackle, like away from the slide, was the hardest position for a pass-blocking person. And I, after playing them all, I mean, the hardest is going against a really, really talented pass-rushing three technique as a singled up guard, because again, the space isn't there. If you miss and you miss quick, like it's over. Like a tackle, at least if you miss, there's probably a chance that you get the ball off because he's got to run the hoop. And like, I mean, if you're singled up on a guard and, and you know you're singled up and that guy knows you're singled up, you have to make sure you get in that way. And I mean, like you say, you're seeing the Aaron Donalds, the Grady Jarrett's, I mean, these guys that are just quick twitch, pass rushing machines. And the difference is now those guys aren't just strictly pass rushers. Like those are powerful dudes. It used to be like, okay, I know this dude's going to run around me, so I'm just going to step back off the ball and give myself some space and, and go. But now all of a sudden these dudes can put their foot in the ground and come through your chest too. Um, and I think that's what makes these three techniques so difficult. And it's becoming the new normal in the NFL, finding a true pass rushing three technique where you can have a three-headed monster almost in a three technique and two unbelievable DNs. It's, it gives teams problems. Yeah, and uh, we have seen those problems right up close and personal with the Vikings interior of their offensive line. So if Ezra Cleveland does not start, that would have been really intriguing because he is a freak athlete and just to see how that uh, went. But I'm not sure when we'll see it, if we'll see it this year. Instead, it's been Avian Collins, who you know, and Dakota Dozier, who's kind of a guy like yourself who can play a lot of different positions, very smart player. But it's hard to feel like, Jeremiah, that the left and right guard positions have changed a whole lot. Um, over the last couple of years, it's been one of their biggest uh, Achilles heel. And with Dozier, he's more of a journeyman type of guy. Collins is moving from tackle to guard. And then uh, you move Pat Elfline, who struggled at left guard over to right guard, his third different position in three years. It's just, it's a lot of the same here. And I wonder if they should have maybe taken a different route this offseason at that position. 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought I was a little surprised when they didn't sign a big free agent guard. Um, I know they don't have any money, so that's prior to the issue. I mean, when you when you run out of cap space because you're paying your quarterback a ton and you're paying your defense a ton, like a position is going to suffer. Um, it's just the way the NFL's built. Um, and so I think that unfortunately for the Vikings, it's the guard position. I mean, you, you spend a first round pick on your centers, you know that's solid. Um, you got an unbelievable, I mean, one of the top right tackles in the league, and Brian O'Neill on the right side, and then you got Riley Reed presenting the last year of his deal. So you have to start thinking about the future of, all right, are we going to pay a guard this year? Are we going to save money to pay a big left tackle next year? Are we going to replay Riley, or what are we going to do? And so I think that you draft a guy like Ezra and hope for next year we can groom him to be the starting guard because we're going to have to go buy a left tackle. Or you hope F-line can figure it out and put him in right guard and hope he can be serviceable there. But, again, that's a hard thing to do for those guys to move positions as much as I mean, especially a young player like Pat. I mean, to start at three different positions in four years is hard. Having played yourself in uh, next to some good centers and some very smart centers, Joe Berger, real smart guy that, that you oh, yeah. next to. Yeah. Um, so take me through what an experienced center would be seeing as opposed to a rookie center because that's Garrett Bradbury now after a year of experience and many times getting whooped. Um, you know, I, I did a kind of a film piece on him, and of course, I, I don't have as good of an eye as you would, but there's some things that you can take away of just these are he's going to have to improve the the technical element, but I think that having that experience in a full off season has to help Garrett Bradbury. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'll see a big jump in him this year. At least you should. Um, I think one of the reasons Pat didn't take the big jump into his second year is because he had no offseason. Um, he was dealing with a broken ankle and a torn shoulder. So, I mean, he didn't have an OTAs. So he didn't really have much of a training camp. Um, and so, I mean, he didn't have his OTA. Garrett didn't have OTAs. But he's got a full training camp under his belt now. And the big thing for centers is that the game has to slow down for them mentally in order for them to perform physically. Um, you can't walk up to the ball as a center and start thinking about, okay, i got to make sure the snap's right. Where's the mic point? Where's my foot alignment? Did it set hut? Like, you know, I mean, like, it has to become so natural that you know the offense, you know what you're looking for, that you walk up, hey, Mike's 52, this play's on one, we're going left, bam. And now you can worry about stopping the freak show across from you. <laughs> and so I think that that's a big piece of it, is if he can really take the next step mentally, he's physically got all the tools. I mean, watching him, he's athletic, he's strong, plays with a great base, he's got good hands. But where he got himself in trouble, as you can tell, he was thinking before he was reacting. I mean, offensive line, you should know where you're going 100% of the time. It's one of the benefits we have. But you have to then react to what the defenders do it. And I think at times he was so busy trying to guess where everything was because maybe he wasn't 100% certain on things because he was a young player that that then made him suffer physically. So I think that this year if he can really understand the mental aspect, safeties, identifying defense, identifying rotations, and then having a guy like Kirk help him with some of that stuff, I think he's going to take a big jump this year for sure. Get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first have to tell you about something very cool from our friends at Soda Stick. You probably know them for Minnesota sports-inspired hats and shirts and hoodies that are screen-printed in Minnesota, but Soda Stick also has artwork as well. You're going to want to check out their Man Cave prints, 20 by 24 prints representing everything Minnesota sports, from awesome throwback logos to legendary plays at first base to famous disgusting acts in Green Bay. They are on 
on sale now for just $35. You can't go out to games at the moment, but you can liven up where you're watching them from. You want to get Soda Stick's very cool prints. Go to SodaStick.com. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com and use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Okay, I would love to have you, because this is a football-y football show, explain when you get up to the line of scrimmage as an offensive lineman what you're looking at in terms of reading a defense. Like you mentioned, the mic point, which um, goes back again to my buddy Alex Boone who said, if that center doesn't have a great mic point, then I don't believe in him. <laughs> right. What? Uh, so, uh, but uh, kind of explain what you're trying to identify. Yeah, so I'll take you from the center position because I got to play that position. So you're in the huddle, right? You hear the formation. You listen for three things as a center. You listen for the formation that the play caller is going to call because then that's going to tell you where the strength of the defense is going to be as on paper. So you listen for the formation. You listen for then the play, whether it's protection or a run, and then you listen for the snap count. Those are your three things. Bam. So you instantly like, okay, say it's trips right, 62 on one. Bam. And there's a bunch of other jargon in there for route combinations, whatever. That's all in one year or out the other. So as the second you break the huddle, you go, all right, so it's trips right, which immediately makes you think, okay, the mic point's going to be to our right because that's where the strength of the formation is. So you walk up to the line, you identify three down or four down. It's the first thing you identify. Is it four down lineman? Is it three down lineman? Because that'll change again what the linebackers say. It's four down lineman. All right, four down front. So that means it's going to go Will, Mike, Sam. Will linebacker, Mike linebacker, Sam linebacker, two strength. So then you say, hey, boom, Mike's right there. And after that is when you start hearing the echo of everyone else start making their calls. Say it's a pass protection, you say, hey, Mike's right there. Then the right guard, the right tackle are saying, all right, we're now working from this guy to this guy, depending on the protection scheme. The left side's then saying, all right, hey, we're locked up one-on-one. We have no slide because they're sliding with the mic. And so that's going to then if it's three down, you're like, hey, Mike might be backside now because of the way the formation, and then everyone echoes their call. So it really comes up in, I mean, again, all this is happening like that, right? I mean, it's all happening within seconds, I mean, of coming up and identifying, which is why as a center, you have to be so quick on your calls because – Play clock's running down. Quarterback might be wanting to check to a whole different play. And so you got to make sure that you can do all that. So it's initial, boom, four down, three down front, bam. Where's the mic point, bam. Echo the rest of the calls to make sure all five guys are on the same page. Because the one great thing about offensive line is if you're all wrong, you'll probably be all right. The problem then becomes if you got three guys doing one thing, two guys doing another thing, and then it just looks like, I mean, heaping flaming garbage, right? <laughs> so I think that the big thing is, like, again, Graham Bradbury comes up, identifies the front, identifies the mic, bam, everyone can make the calls off of that. And that really comes along when you have guys that play together for a long time. So that's going to be another piece of you got moving parts, you got new pieces, like how do those guys all work together to identify that so it's a very I mean, well-oiled machine and you don't have clunks and junks and trying to figure out different pieces. All right, so let's say you're up there, you're, you're – identifying the mic, and then Harrison Smith comes walking up. What's he What's he doing? Like, nobody knows what he's doing because no one ever knows what he's doing. But how does that change? And also, um, like, is, do you just treat the nickel corner like a linebacker? Is that how you usually do it? Yeah, it depends on – so, I mean, if you know during your film study during the week, okay, so if we're playing 12 personnel, so one back, two tight ends, does this defense play base defense with three true linebackers, or do they play nickel defense with two linebackers and a nickel Sam, like you said, like a corner? Or do they treat, like, for example, when you were at Buffalo, Jamal Adams, very similar. He played for the Jets at the time, very similar. He's all over the place, right? You know he's a known blitzer, so you're going to identify him. Same thing when you play the Vikings. You know Harrison Smith is a known blitzer. You're going to identify him. You're not just going to be like, ah, he's doing his own thing. Like, you've got a plan for those kind of guys. So, yeah, if all of a sudden, say they're in nickel defense, you've got your two, you got your Mike and your Will and your nickel Sam standing out there. 
and all of a sudden Harrison Smith starts working down to the weak side, well, okay, so he's probably a known blitzer, which means that the blitz is coming from the weak side, so then, like, you know they have to cover to cover for the blitz. Everyone's got to rotate away, which is what I call it, like, safety rotation. So say you see Harrison Smith sneaking down on your left, sticking with the trips right example. You see Harrison Smith sneaking down to your left. Well, that means that Anthony Harris is probably going to start moving back to the middle of the field to cover for him, which then means, okay, if they're blitzing that way, let's pick it up. Hey, hey, new Mike, boom, point to the left. So new Mike to the left, new Mike's 54, it's Kendricks, bam, new Mike, new Mike, or it's 55, and then you're slide to the blitz and hopefully pick up the blitz. Well, that then now changes the calls on the right. They now say, hey, no slide, we're money over here. It's not talking to the guys on the left like, hey, we now have three of us to pick up three linebackers. If they bring four, the back then has to see new point because it now changes where he goes. And so all that's happening up front, and it's all happening again, bam, bam, bam. But as a center, you're either told, like, hey, you have the new mic point, or it's all on the quarterback. And I've been places that have been both. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's how much trust you have in your center to see it. I got to play with Ryan Khalil in, in uh, Carolina. He had all that on his plate because he wanted it. I got to play with Joe Berger. He wanted it. Pat Fline had myself, Joe Berger, and Nick Easton next to him so we could help him and we could have it. But at the end of the day, the quarterback has ultimate trouble. I mean, I got to play with Philip Rivers, who in San Diego, like, we make our job, you make the initial mic point, and then Philip's going to change it prompt. Um, so a lot of that all just depends on who's the quarterback, who's the coordinator, who's the center, and how does all that work. So when Harrison comes up on the weak side and looks like he might rush and you change the mic, and then you're assuming Harris is going to take a sort of uh, middle close type of uh, single high look, and then that changes after the snap, like how much does that mess with you? I mean, it messes with you, but at that point you live with it, right? You made a call to the all wrong, all right thing. So say they fool you, right, and they bring the blitz off the other side. The great part is depending on the protection. I'm doing a mic-based protection just for ease sake. There's a billion protections you can walk through. Um, but say it's a mic-based protection, the center slides left, they bring it from the right, the back has to go pick up the guy. If they bring one more than we can, then you got to throw high. And that's where everyone on the same page. So, yeah, they can definitely get you. But that's, I mean, we would spend hours on film study of blitz pickup. I mean, we'd be in there for on Wednesday mornings, Thursday mornings, Thursday night, all day third down, especially third down stuff. Like, you spend hours studying it because the big plays are made when you punch a blitz in the face. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you see the blitz and you can punch it in the face, there's going to be holes because there's a guy. And so, I mean, you take a lot of pride, and we took a lot of pride when we were there in Minnesota. We're going to pick up all these blitzes. Like, and I can I distinctly remember we were playing Baltimore in 2017, mm-hmm. and we were playing left guard, and we worked on this one blitz that was – it was just – it was a bitch. There's no other way to say it. Like, it was just one of those that was just like, this is a hard one. But we knew, like, hey, if we pick this up, like, and we knew the formation, like, there's going to be a huge play possible to Thielen down the middle. And so I was playing left guard. I remember, like, it was on double cadence. So we go, ha, ha, ha. And we look up, and literally, like, all of our eyes just, like, ding. And we all turn around, like, dude, Case, this is it. Like, this is the one. <laughs> so Case, like, audible to play, bam, 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 bam. And hut, and we, bam, we pick it up in the face. Huge chunk play. And, like, you see all the offensive line, like, high-fiving down. Like, girl, like, and that's what's so fun about it is, is just the chess match between the offensive line and the defensive coordinator of can we pick up this blitz and hit it in the face. And when you do, it's so much, it's so rewarding. Like, that, that's like me scoring a touchdown as an offensive lineman. When you recognize a blitz, you identify it, you make the right call, you hit it in the face, and, like, you execute it, like, that's scoring a touchdown for an offensive lineman. There's another part of that that comes from reporter perspective when things go really right or really wrong, and a lot of times you try to figure out why, but you don't always know. And no. the offensive linemen after games are like, I don't know, I just, you know, just uh, doing my job. You're like, come yep. on, 
tell me what happened. Uh, but I guess the, you have to wait uh, three years for the offensive lineman to tell you what happened. <laughs> for me, it's hard, too, because as an offensive lineman, you can only see one thing at a time, right? Until you can actually watch the tape and see what happened. Like, you either know good play or bad play. Like, right. it's, it's really it's about as simple like, hey, did it work? But, like, when you turn around and you know that, like, you hit the big play, you're like, okay, we did it right. Or, like, at the, the, the vice versa, I've been there many times playing center where, like, you identify a new Mike Van and you see the guy drop on your left and you're like, oh, throw it, throw it. And then you know they're coming and you know you've got one more than you do and hopefully he gets rid of it and you're like, ooh, survive. Or, bam, sack, sack, fumble. You're just like, shoot, man. Like, that's the one that kills you. And so it's such a definite cat and mouse game. And the good deep coordinators, man, they really know how to, to bluff it and having safeties like Harrison, I mean, Eric Weddle back in the day when he was incredible at it, I and mean, Earl Thomas is great, Jamal Adams, like having that rover safety is becoming the cool thing to do in the NFL because you can do so much with them. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, you know, you talk about different defensive coordinators who are creative with this stuff. Dom Capers is here now, and I yep. think we're, we're all trying to get Dom Capers to tell us what he's going to do with his uh, blitzing, but, you know, yeah, he's he's, no been around, he's been around way too long to give up any information. Uh, I'm sure the Packers have a pretty good sense for it anyway, but you've gone against uh, those types of defenses before, and he's famous for zone blitzing and things like that. Um, how difficult is that? with what Dom Capers brings and like what, what maybe specifically is sort of a staple of when you go up against his defense. Yeah. I mean, the one thing you knew going up against him is he was going to have what's called, we used to call it the blitz of the week, um, which is like something that you don't see. So you, you break down tendencies as far as blitzes are. You get your third down sheet, like, okay, when it's third in this distance, this is the blitzes that they ran all year. Right. I mean, by the end of the year, like they ran this blitz 40 times, 20 times, 10 times. And it's like, okay, well, what are they going to throw at us that we haven't seen on the first third and long? Because that's usually when you see it, like the blitz of the week, the flavor of the day, or whatever. There's a hundred different things. Like, And he always had something a little different for you where you're like, okay, I haven't seen this before, but, like, trust your rules, trust what we set up. Or, I mean, Sperano was incredible. He'd go back, I mean, years. He'd be like, hey, they ran this blitz in 2013 when we were playing for against Dallas. It's like, how, how did you find that? And then, I mean, I – I mean, I'd be amazed to tell you how many times, like, we'd watch something like that and be like, okay, Tony, and then also they'd pop up on Sunday, like, all right, Tony, like, you know, and, and but that happens time and time again of you have to find the oddball stuff because those are the ones that happen to be the sack fumbles or the forcing interception or the really negative play where it's third and you got to have it. And they dial this up and you don't see it, you don't recognize it, and someone doesn't scoop something there and it gets bad. So, I mean, you definitely are going to have the blitz of the week, but then you're going to have his staples too. You know he's a zone blitz guy, so you know you're going to have to prepare for those things. But he's going to be a guy that he'll keep you on your toes and make sure that you're never just going to be able to game plan him up and you get to go. Yeah, that's, uh, it points to also something my buddy Sage Rosenfels has said before. He said the one guy who doesn't get enough credit ever in the NFL is the offensive line coach. If you've got a good one, then you're probably going to be a pretty good team. And uh, Absolutely. So the quarterbacks recognize that too, if you were wondering. <laughs> um, so I, I want to ask you about the defensive side of the ball with Michael Pierce opting out. Um, you know, obviously that was a, a kick. Hurts. Yeah, a kick in the gut for them because it was – you know, what's, what's interesting, I looked at how often he either created a quarterback pressure or made a run stop per snap. And it was up there with a lot of the best. I mean, guys who play more snaps than he does, but he's an impact player having him out. And now Shamar Steffen slides into the nose, a position change for him. Jaleel Johnson was playing nose before. Now he's at three technique and Armand Watts is not very experienced. He's going to get a chance in there. But yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is a pretty significant loss for them to not have Michael Pierce. I mean, it's 
a huge loss. I mean, a staple of Zimmer's defense is he can play his true 4-3 over cover two, and, like, that's where he lives in. But the problem is if you don't have a true double-team eating uh, nose guard like you did in Lin Bull, or like you would have in Pierce, like, it's hard because if you have a nose guard that a center says, hey, I got this guy. And I'm not saying Shamar's not that guy. Shamar's a hell of a player. I played against a strong, physical guy. But he's not Michael Pierce, and he's not Lindell Joseph. Um, that's really hard. It's going to make Tim maybe have to think twice about, hey, can I call this blitz? Because I don't think that this guard or this nose is going to be able to eat up this guard and this center. Like, this guard might get a free release, so this guard might just chip and get out of there. Like, they're not going to have to spend extra time on this nose because if they know that if they, they don't double-team him for half a second, two seconds longer, he's going to split and make the play. Um, so, I mean, that's a huge loss for that defense. Because if you think back to what Zim had in even Cincinnati, he's always had that dominant nose guard. I mean, he had Pecco there forever, right? I mean, so, I mean, he's had those dominant nose guards and a really good three technique. And so I think that they're going to be doing a lot of plug and play. I don't think you're going to see just a true guy that plays every base snap for when the base is in there for defense of true nose guard. I think you're going to see a lot of guys get chances and rotate in until they find the hot hand. We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first got to tell you about Feral One CBD. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from Feral One's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, Therabody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne products test four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift away to a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering listeners buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products, but you've got to go to theragun.com Blue Wire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. Only until Labor Day. Go right now, theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game and every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I, I agree with you that, that it's going to be a little bit shuffling around early on to figure out uh, how they want to handle that. The thing about Pierce and even more so Linval at his best was those guys can take up those blocks and stuff, uh, but they can also penetrate. Like Linval <laughs> Joseph was putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback for a guy who is usually handled by two people. If he was handled one-on-one, -on -one, he's picking up his guy, he's moving him back. He had some pass rush moves to him, and Pierce was kind of sneaky with that sort of thing too. And, of course, you know, um, and maybe you can explain a little bit, but the three-technique position 
Tom Johnson was hugely, hugely valuable for this team in 2017 and, and before that for a couple of years as well. To not have that rotational rusher who can come in and cause major problems for a guard, I think they need to find that guy or it's going to be difficult, especially when it's like third and 10 and you want to play a lot of guys back. And it's great to have before Everson, Tom Johnson, Linval, if, he, if he's in there, or B-Rob rushing over the guards. I mean, that, that was just a nightmare for opposing offensive linemen, and now there's a lot different. Well, I mean, the big thing you're going to see is Zim didn't have to blitz. If you can create pass rush ability with your four down, like, it's hard on a team because, again, like I said, the big plays happen against the blitz, right? I mean, but at the same time, the big plays happen if the quarterback got four or five seconds to sit back there. So I think that, I mean, if you don't find that natural four guys that can get to the quarterback and will, I mean, think about how Seattle won their Super Bowl back in the day, right? Cliff Averill, they had uh, Michael Bennett, they had Bruce Irving. I mean, these dudes, they didn't have to blitz. And, I mean, that's the key to winning is you don't have to blitz. And so if you can't find guys, I mean, I think Hercules is a guy that you kind of look at and you're like, is he, is he even still there? Hercules is still yeah, there, right? Yeah, yep, I mean, he's still so, here. Yep. And, but that's the thing, like, you expected that kind of out of him last year. You didn't really get it. Um, is, is that a guy that maybe can take that jump into that next year here? I mean, the fact that I don't remember if he's even there shows you how much I really pay attention to like what he didn't do. Um, but, but I mean, you knew like, okay, when you're playing the Vikings in 2015 through 17, like third down is going to be Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Brian Robinson, Tom Johnson. I mean, and all three of those guys could be double digit sack guys a year. Right. Um, and you just, you don't have that anymore up there right now. And you're going to be searching for it until you do. But the problem is that all those guys were old Wiley vets. And now you've got one Wiley vet, maybe if you can call Daniel a Wiley vet. Um, and you kind of got a bunch of young, unproven guys around. Daniil's still younger and always will be than Afadi Adenabo, actually. So we're talking about we're talking about Afadi is like, oh, this emerging young player. And it's like, actually, Daniil's about a year younger than Well, I remember when Daniil got in the league, he couldn't even drink a beer. <laughs> 20 years that's old. Right. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, it, is, it is remarkable that he is still that young. And a mature fellow for only being uh, 25 years old. Um, so before I let you go, Jeremiah, as always, extremely insightful. Give me a big picture on this team because for the first time you and I are talking and it's a lot of different people than from what you played with. And that's got, it's a weird feeling for me. I have to have a roster out there. Can't be like, who, wait, who's number 17. It's not Jarius, right? Yep. Oh, like who are these? Who, wait, who's number 20. It's not Mackenzie Alexander or something. Um, so, you know, I, I guess what, what's, your feeling or do you have one uh, on this team with the remaining players that they still have and then the new guys mixed in yeah I mean I think you and I maybe talked about this at the combine or not like we knew we knew this team was going to have to blow up eventually because of cap problems and that's part of the NFL and George Payton's one of the smartest guys around and figuring that kind of stuff up Rick does a great job too um but you knew this was going to happen this year um you knew when they signed Kirk to that deal they were two years lightning in a bottle right like okay we got two-year run of this they made a couple good runs and one not so great run but I think now you look at it is, is this a rebuild or is it a reload? And I think it's a little bit of both. I think on offense, you got a little bit of a rebrand, maybe. Um, Kubiak year two, you got Dalvin Cook, still one of the best running backs in the league. So I think offensively we'll be okay. Um, I worry a little bit about people aren't really talking about our corners. Uh, I know I say are. I'm still Vikings fan at heart. But I think that you look at you're like, no Trey Waynes, no Xavier Rhodes, no Mackenzie Alexander. Like, People, like, this is going to be a problem. Like, it, it really is. Like, and, again, you talk about, okay, well, okay, we'll be all right at corner, but great corners are great pass rush. 
and, and it's really that simple. Like your corner's going to be all pros if you got great pass rush because you're going to get high balls, you're going to get balls that are misthrown, you're going to get balls that are like tipped, all that stuff. And so now you've got maybe a mediocre pass rush, new back end. Like I think defensively, we're going to see a lot more struggles than we're used to seeing out of the Mike Zimmer defense. I think offensively, we'll put it together a little bit more. We're going to have to rely heavily on Dalvin. I mean, you got a lot of you got a staple of pretty solid running backs. I think that I mean you got Dalvin, you got Alexander, you got Amir up there. And you got you got a stable of guys. I think offensively will be better than we were last year. But I think defensively, it's going to take a while to find their stride, and I hope that they find it before they really it's too late. And, and they will have to be better offensively to get the same results. I think in terms Correct. of like wins and losses. Um, yeah, if you want to be the same as last year, I think you're going to have to average 28 points. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And with the corners, it's like they can look good in camp, but you got to come right out and face Devonte Adams, and then you got to face you know Aaron Rodgers. Philip Rivers, right right off the bat, you know, uh, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, these guys are all oh, yeah. I mean, pretty fast. So Absolutely. It's going to be figured out quick or it's going to be ugly. For sure. Well, uh, Jeremiah, as always, great to catch up with you. Incredible insight. Maybe the first guy to fully explain the mic point on the hey. show in that much depth. So I appreciate that. That was extremely cool. Hey, man, that's just one of literally I could go through every single protection and we could get way more in depth than that. I love the X's and O's of it all. Protection of the week should be a bit that we uh, that we do to really explain. Absolutely, man. Blitz of the week. That's you know it's a th- I always say like it's one of those things with a lot of players. If the guy is smart, you know Tom Johnson. I always say this about Tom Johnson. Nobody realizes how smart that guy was. And so you know if you're smart, you could be a hey look at yourself a guy who's not a high draft pick or or. Tom, who's a CFL guy, you can make it if you can figure out all the things you're supposed to do. So most people can't. Uh, right. any, anyway, great stuff. And you can always say we referring to the Vikings because you have a jersey there in your house that says Searles Vikings. So you can do that. You get permission. Fair. So, Fair. Great stuff. Super fun to talk with you. Uh, uh, let's do it again soon, man. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Hi, my name is Bobby Peters, and I've recently written a book titled The 2017 New England Patriots Pass Game Manual. If you've ever wondered what makes the New England Patriots offense, specifically their pass game, so successful over the years, this book is for you. The book breaks down in detail the schemes the Patriots use by concept. Each concept is broken down into its different variations, its statistical usage based on down and distance, and the important coaching points for how each route is run and how the quarterback reads the play. The book is available now on Amazon. Get your copy today. Did somebody say playoffs, NBA, and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered? Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall. There's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props there. So take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.